How many of y'all love rest? And I, I should have majored in that in college because that would have been much better because I think I probably could have got like straight A's in rest because I am a restful person. I love me some rest. But if we're looking at creation, it, it's, it's very common for us to, to, to read the Bible and go to Sunday school, go into small groups and talk about it. God created everything in six days. And that, I believe that that's conceptually accurate. But we find when we read the word of God that God was still creating on the seventh day. And I believe that this is an area of creation that sadly is often overlooked by people. There is something that he created on the seventh day. And it is extremely important for everything that we see through the rest of the text. And it's also extremely important for our lives as believers. So we're going to look at this. And so if you'll allow me a little bit of time, I'm going to unpack and give you some foundation. Then we're going to get really excited and hoop and holler and then close out the day. That sound good to everybody? Awesome. So heaven and earth were finished. In fact, the way the text reads, it's the heaven and the earth we're finished. He, he spoke everything into existence. He spoke the processes into place. He, he spoke the environments into place. And then over the next three days, began to fill these environments with exactly what the environments needed to be effective. And when we get to the end of the sixth day, he has also gotten his hands dirty and formed humanity out of the dust of the earth. He, he spoke everything into place, but when it came to humanity, his image bearers, the Bible tells us that he formed us out of the dust of the earth. We talked a lot about that last Sunday. You don't want to miss it. If you missed any part of it, go to nolachurch.com, go to YouTube. You can find us, but you need to know that you are not an accident. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not an accident. It's important to know that because everything in secularism and a lot of things in religion want to convince you that you are an accident. But our God does not make mistakes when he is creating anything. My God did not need to use some process of a large bang in the cosmos to begin you. You are not the accidental offput of a almost random act of climbing out of the primordial ooze. No, my friend, you have been formed by the God of all gods. And he said, I am going to make you in my image and I'm going to make you in my likeness. And when secularism tries to come in, when academia tries to come in and convince you that you are a part of an evolutionary process, you need to look back in their eyes and say, I'm sorry, you are confused. I am made to look like Jesus. Feeling my preach from last week all open. Look at your neighbor and go, ha! Find out how many of y'all are Pentecostal real quick. All that God had spoken and all that he had formed, and there's a difference between speaking and forming. Everything that he had spoken, his word will not return void. His word went out. Everything that he formed with his hands was finished. But God did not cease his work until the seventh day. And if you read through the text, there's an evening and there's a morning and then that's a day, right? He goes through this six times and then when we move into day seven, we see that while he had ceased his spoken work and he ceased his handmade work, if I could use that, there's still something going on. And this would beg a question, what is missing on the seventh day? All the environments are in place. And this is really cool. We didn't really have enough time to dive into this, but when we were talking about environments, he created three very distinct environments on days one, two, and three, and then days three, four, and, and six, or four, five, and six. 
He comes in and fills those environments and he's worked, he's done some things and things are happening. So all of this is filled and he looks at it all and he says it's all good. Then when he gets to humanity, he says, man, that's exceedingly good. Everything that I'm doing is working, but something is missing. If you'll allow me to give you a a foundational point here, work in and of itself isn't enough. It's lacking. Work in and of itself is not enough. It's lacking, and I just really bumped the spirit of our age where we have to work, 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 work. You got to remember that in the word of God that we're, we're told that one of the duties or the responsibilities of the enemy when we get into the last days, which by the way, if you're waiting on the last days to come, they're already here. We're living in the last days. And the primary responsibility of the enemy in this time is to wear out the saints. Is it any wonder that we're all busy and that we're all tired and that we're all exhausted all the time? because we've bought into the lie that work is our fulfillment. But work is not a bad thing, but work in and of itself still lacks something. What we see here on the seventh day is God literally exposes his identity, or if I could put it like this, God literally exposes Jesus in creation on the seventh day because God creates the last thing in creation. He creates rest, and he says, I am your rest. And we can see Jesus exposed right there on day seven. And like, man, that's the end of the sermon. Great, let's go eat pizza. Well, there's a few more things. That's the good part. That's the foundation. Now let's, let's go a little bit further. If you'll allow me, God looks out at the splendor of all of his creation that he has spoken and everything that he has formed. And while he sees that it's good and he sees that all this is, is something that's needed, that thing that is missing in all of this work is the element of rest. And on the seventh day, God created rest. And this is often overlooked because like, it's not really spelled out. Like, And on the seventh day, God created rest. It doesn't say that. But nothing was created that was created except he created it, right? There are no accidents. And work in and of itself is not a process that begins and will end in rest. Work is a process that begins, a process that begins and will continue and never stop if we don't stop. So God had to create something on that seventh day. And this is what we see in the text that on the seventh day, God finished the work and all that he had been doing. And he ceased on that seventh day from all the work that he had done. And there there is a relationship that we need to discover. And I would submit that more prevalent now in our day and age, we need to find what I'm simply going to call a good work-rest relationship. I'm not going to get all like current times and call it a work-life balance. That's a hogwash. No one's life is balanced. You can feng shui it all you want. It's still going to be unbalanced. You can, you can like balance all your, it's not going to be balanced, but you need to learn that there is a healthy work-rest relationship, which means there's also a very unhealthy work-rest relationship. This is where we can find ourselves caught up. And when we look into the creation, even in the beginning chapters of the Bible, we can see that God has a plan for work and God also has a plan for us. This sound good this morning? Y'all ready to dive in? Here we go. We, we all have to work and we're all going to have to use our minds. We're all going to have to use our words. 
We have to put things into motion in order for our lives to be effective. We can't just sit back, eat chips, and watch sports all day. For me, that would be only a partial good day because I hate watching sports. What a bigger waste of time than to watch sports. Chris, so good to see you. I'm not picking on you when I say that. Man, you show up after COVID, and I'm so used to teasing sports people. You know I'm just joking. Chris is a coach here at one of the local colleges, and local college sports are awesome. There we go. Now we're friends again. But like, we can't just sit back and do nothing, right? We have to engage. We have to be involved in what we're doing. We have to use our hands. We have to exert energy. We have to make an investment for our lives to be effective. And no one is saying that that's not good because work is vital. Work is important. Work is needed. But it's important. It's vital. It's needed. But work is not complete without rest. Because if we let work just work, Work is just going to keep working. Like we live in, if you're in the southeast Louisiana area, which all of us in the theater are, but all the people watching online, I'm going to just kind of expose some Louisiana to you. Down here, there's a lot of what's called swing shifts. Somebody know what I'm talking about with the swing shift? That is the dumbest structure for getting people to work that I've ever heard. If you're a business owner and you swing shift it, I'm going to tell you, your, your model's jacked up. You're hurting your people. You can't let them find a rhythm. About the time they get a rhythm, hey, we're going to do seven and tens and fours and twelves and eighteen twenty sixes. <laughs> then we're going to repeat it backwards on the side of the bed. Work three days, take two days off. Work one hour, go to work six days, and then you know, like you're all confused because we're just trying to. Oh, we got to get as much work done. No, 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 no. If you really want to see people perform at their peak, let them have some rest. Somebody needs to hear me. At some point, you may have to look back at your job and look back at your boss and say, hold up. You own me during these hours, but I got a wife. I got a kid. I got a family. I have a life outside of you. Pastor, you just don't know what you're talking about. My, my work is so important. I promise you they can make it without you. If they can't, it might be time for you to get another job because they're trying to kill you. That's not even in the notes. That was free. Work is not complete without rest. You're like, I'm not sure I believe you. Let's go to the word of God. Let me show you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. And God blessed, everybody say blessed. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. Everybody say holy. Because on it, God ceased from all the work of creation that he had done. This day is vital. This day is important. And God breaks this day out from all the other days for a very vital, important reason. And, and, and if, you, if you look at this in a very in-depth way, there's actually two things that God does on this seventh day that we really need to take notice from. And I believe it's something that we can put in our pocket and live every day, and it will literally change the way our life is moving forward. First, God blessed the seventh day. What does this mean? Does that mean he gave it stuff? Does it mean that he, you know, got something new for it? No, that's, blessings are not stuff. And it's high time that the church, especially the modern day church, stop thinking that the blessings of God are going to mean your bank account gets bigger. 
Blessings are not stuff. Blessing literally is the approval of God. When God looks at the seventh day and he blessed it, here's what he did. He looks at this day and says, I am going to approve this day. Anything that God approves is something we should take notice of. Because if God hasn't improved it, we're already in trouble. The second thing that he did that's very important is he declared this day to be holy. And just like with blessing, we have some misnomers in our understanding. With the word holy, we also have misnomers in our understanding because we, we approach the word of God from a religious standpoint instead of a standpoint of understanding. Holiness is not flawlessness. Holiness is not even righteousness. Holiness is separation. Holiness is sanctification. And by the way, sanctification doesn't mean you have all your stuff together. Sanctification and holiness literally means God has looked at you and says, okay, I'm going to take you and I'm going to move you over here and I'm going to separate you from that because I have a purpose for you. And if you stay here, you can't accomplish my purpose. So I'm going to do that over here. In other words, God looks at it and says, hey, y'all, you can't get there from here. So I'm going to move you over here. That's what holiness is. God looks at the seventh day and first he says, I approve this day. What made his approval hit this day? The other days, he saw that they were good and that they would accomplish the task he designed them to do. But when he gets to day seven, he goes, whoo, I approve this. Because this is the day that I cease from all my work. And I'm going to take this day. I like it so much. I'm going to take this day and I'm literally going to remove it from the list of all the other days. And I'm going to put it here because this day has a whole other purpose. We can learn something from this about the work-rest relationship. God made the day significant, and then he ceases from his work. So let's, let's dig into this. We've been trying to peel back layers of understanding in the Bible. And again, I'm not trying to make any of us Hebrew scholars. I am not a Hebrew scholar. I told you all this a couple weeks ago. If you ask me words, I'm going to be like, sure. I don't understand Greek. I, I studied it in seminary, but that does not mean I understand it because, like, I was just trying to get through the class. Like, I, yeah. Then unless Peter has set a lie under them, unless, like, it doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> That's not real, by the way. I just made all that up. <laughs> I'm not trying to be smart, but I do want to show you some things because if we understand how the words work, because the Bible was not written in English, especially our kind of English. There are some layers in this that we can understand. Genesis is the beginning. Everybody say the beginning. We learned in the first week that the, the word beginning or, or Genesis literally is the Hebrew word breshith, which is the when beginning happened. It's that exact moment that God separated time from himself and began the process of creation. And so what we see here is in the same way that God began to create, God also began to rest. The book of Genesis is not an old ancient book of, of Hebrew history. The book of Genesis is literally the book of beginnings. And throughout the text, you're going to see beginning after beginning after beginning after beginning. There's a lot of stuff that happens in the beginning because this is the beginning of human history. There are not millions of years that happened before the beginning. The beginning was the beginning, right? 
I know that sounds a little bit like it's from the Department of Redundancy Department, but literally the beginning is the beginning. There's nothing before the beginning. And throughout the beginning, we're going to see a lot of other things beginning. God began to create, and time happened. Now God begins to rest when he stops his working. So God created, and he worked, and then he rested. And that, that Hebrew word for rest is, is sabbat, or in our language, Sabbath. And if you've been coming to NOLA Church any length of time, we talk about Sabbath a lot. Last year, during the pandemic's highest point, we, we did a whole series called Roots, and I spent like literally nine weeks diving into Sabbath and because Sabbath is not just a day off from work. That's only one element that lays the foundation. There are so many Sabbaths discussed in the Bible. If you missed it, still, go to Facebook, go to YouTube. They're all there. You can find them. You ought to watch the Root Series and get caught up to where we are. But his rest, his Sabbath, was the beginning of something new. Just as he said, let there be, and there was, now he ceases from his work, and in that ceasing creates this thing called rest, and this rest is a brand new beginning for all of us. And while his rest came after his work, his rest literally establishes a new pattern of how we should approach that work-rest relationship. I'm going to mess some people up here the next few seconds. Y'all still like me. Don't disconnect from me because I'm going to bump you just as I have bumped myself because we don't have a good understanding of work-rest relationship. We say, I'm going to work until I literally fall apart. Then I'll sleep when I die. I'll get through it, right? How many workaholics are in the room? Some of y'all raised two hands. Calm down. You're not getting a prize. <laughs> Always trying to one-up everybody, you workaholics. <laughs> that was dumb. Sorry. While God's rest came after his work, he worked for six days, intricately speaking, putting processes into place with his word. And then he's forming humanity out of the dust of the earth and then breathing his spirit. He's working for six days. And then he ceases his work, creating rest. His rest comes after his work. But what he is literally doing for us is creating a new beginning for all of humanity. And this is where we miss it. God's rest for us comes before our efforts. We do our efforts, then we rest, and we wonder why our life is so chaotic. We're trying to work from a position of exhaustion, and then we say, I'm going to go until I just can't go anymore. I'll try to rest, but have you ever had those days after like, or those nights after you've worked all day long and like you've done brain work, you've done relational work, you've done physical work and you fall into bed like, man, this is going to be awesome and your eyes go. We, we live in, in Destrahan, which is out in the middle of the swamp and the, the biggest, the swamp, there you go. The, the biggest thing in Destrahan is the Canadian National Railroad that runs right through the middle. 
And it's so important that they actually have two different train tracks in Destrehan. One up by airline and the other closer to River Road. It's great. They're like, you literally can get trapped in Destrehan and not get out. Okay, to make matters even more wonderful for the guy who can't sleep if someone even looks at the door, we live with the train track right behind our house, less than three blocks from the switchyard. Now, some of you don't know what that is. You're like, trains have switchyards? Yes, they do. A switchyard is where they take the engine and they add all the cars. It's called building the trains. I have learned a lot about trains over the last few years. And they build the trains, like the, the engine gets in the place and then they add, a, they add a car to it, they move it down a little bit, add another car, move it down a little It's like you would think in this, it's 2021, can we actually like get some floating train cars or something? <laughs> and this is a very intricate, laborious process. And it takes all night, apparently. And here's the deal, like they got all day long to build trains. All stinking day long build the trains. They don't care if kids are going to school. They're going block to the, block the road. Cool, we were here first, deal with it. They don't build the trains during the day. They wait till this fool lays down in the bed and about the time his eyes go down, they're like, cocoon, cocoon, cocoon. Because when they build the trains, that engine pulls and all of them rack together and it literally shakes the ground. No exaggeration, I had a cabinet fall off the wall in my house. I have no idea why I even got on this. I, I, I was joking, I do know why. Everybody's like yelling, it's about the trains, Pastor. You got a train before you... No, that's not what it's about, but anyway... Like, they work all night long. I get no rest, but you know what I'm talking about? You try to lay down, and just about the time that you think that rest is going to happen, your exhaustion actually keeps you from moving into rest. And you wake up the next day, and you're more tired than you were when you laid down. And by the time you get to the end of your week, you can't even lift your... I am just so spent. It's because life... Society, everything in our world is trying to wear you out. It is an intentional plan of the enemy because his job is to wear out the saints. He doesn't want you rested. He doesn't want you fulfilled. He wants you exhausted. So you just come into the house of God and you sit there and go like, entertain me. Here we are now. Entertain us. It does smell like teen spirit because that's what happens. Because we are so wiped out, we are looking for one more stimulus to happen. Come on, encourage me with one more thing because I'm wiped out. I cannot lean in because if I lean in, I'm going to fall apart because I have no more energy. Why does the enemy want to wear us out? Because the enemy hates the thing that God created on the seventh day. Because rest is where we are replenished. But rest is also where we are equipped. And God's plan is not for you to just go through the exhaustion and then just get this refreshing. He wants you to be equipped before you ever step out of the place of rest. So let's dive into this real quick. How do we follow God's example of rest? How do we do this? Because I like 
our, our off day is generally, like unless your schedule is, is jacked up and you have to work on Sundays or whatever, you know, that, that happens. Some people have to work on Sundays or they think they have to work on Sundays. Sometimes people choose work over the house of God or work over worship because they think they're never meant. See, I'm getting ahead of my sermon. Let me, let me back down. I'm trying to pastor, but I, I want to teach real quick. But it's hard for us to follow because we don't understand God's plan of rest. Few things I want you to see here. First thing, all work must cease Sabbath. The word Sabbath literally means the action of not producing. Sabbath is not the lack of action. Sabbath is actually the action of not producing. Our work has to stop. If our work does not stop, we cannot be refreshed. We cannot be equipped. So all of our work has to stop. Then our work needs to begin after that stopping. So this, this is where the mind shift happens. Instead of working to rest, the rest actually becomes the beginning of the next season of work. You got to flip the script. You say, well, I'm just following God's example. He, he worked for six days and then he rested. No, he started something new when he created rest and the new was not for him. The new is for us. Rest first, then work. It's a whole lot better and you'll be a whole lot more effective. So work from rest rather than rest from work. Work from rest rather than rest from work. So let's go back and look. God blessed the day because he ceased from his work. This is what made him approve the day. He didn't look at that, that morning and that evening of that seventh day and go, man, it's tove. No, he said, nope, I'm stopping what I'm doing, and that is why I'm going to bless. You have to see this. Rest is a blessing, a God approval for you, for me, for humanity. God begins to shine his approval into our lives in those moments of rest. Now, here's the deal. You don't get a day off. You don't get time off if you have not been working. You can't be lazy and say, I'm resting in my... No. You're justifying a lack of involvement. That's called idolatry. You need to step out of the place and you need to learn how to actually cease your work, even your self-preservation. You need to start from a position of rest because rest is a blessing. When we stop working, when we stop striving, when we stop doing all these things to, to amass accolades to ourselves and to draw attention to ourselves, when we stop all of this, God says, that's what I approve. Like, Pastor, are you saying that we're all supposed to just not do? No, that's not what I'm saying. We do a lot. We rarely rest. This is why the house of God has become secondary literally to everything else in our life because we, we, we view going to the house of God as a duty. This is why it's easy to say, you know what? I don't have to work today, but I choose to work today instead of go to the house of God. I'm not, I'm not coming for anybody. 
If that bumps you, you're welcome. But I'm not coming for you. But you have to understand, you're believing a lie that I don't need to go to the house of God. I need, I need to separate. Like, Pastor, you're going for the people that don't come off. No, I'm not. We, we run out of room if everybody shows up. We don't have the new theater yet. We're, we're going to have the new theater, and then everybody should come. But right now, it's kind of cool that not everybody comes. Got a place for you to sit, so praise God. I'm not coming for anybody, but somebody needs to hear me. Parents, don't teach your kids that it's okay to miss church for work because you are hurting them. You're telling them to put the almighty dollar in front of the almighty God. What you're really teaching them is you are your own source, not God. You're teaching your child to be an idolater instead of to be a believer of Jesus. Rest is a blessing. If all we ever do is work, we never allow God and we never create room for God to do anything in our life. Man, I wish God would do something for me. Do you ever stop moving? We're like great white sharks. If I ever stopped, I'm going to die. Great whites also eat their young. Do we really want to follow that example? You need to chill. You need to rest. You need to stop working so much. And here's the and the church feeds into this dynamic. We turn serving at church into a job. I've been, you can ask the pastoral team. I've been coming for all of us this whole week. Y'all, it's time to stop. We're wearing people out. Stop scheduling everybody every flipping Sunday. They need a Sunday off. The pastoral team's like, leave us alone. You done hit us all week, you know. But we don't need to turn serving in the house of God into a job. It's not. It's preparation to go out into a world. Here's the deal. let, Let me just say it. If you're holding the door open for people when they come, thank you. But if you bought into the lie that that's the work of God, I want to apologize to you. That's not the work of God. That's literally holding a door open for somebody. That's not gonna change anybody's life. But what it may do is teach you how easy it is to be hospitable here in a safe place to where you go out into the hell of the world, how easy it is to be hospitable and open your life up to somebody else. Everything that we do on Sunday, go back to last year, everything that we do on Sunday is practice for what we do Monday through Saturday. That's why if you miss being in the house of God, you miss practice. Another sports metaphor. Like seriously, you you go to the game, you go to the game and you haven't practiced, do you get to play? No, you don't get to play. God doesn't want to use me. No, fool, you didn't practice. You hadn't been to practice for six months and you want to be the starting player. Like that's not how it works. You know, I am just too exhausted to go rest. So I'm going to work more. Here's my favorite one. I'm not going to go gather with God's people because I need to go do ministry. Really? Where do you get the equipment to do ministry? At the house of the Lord. And if you don't go to the house of the Lord, where are you getting your equipment from? Maybe you're making it up. Maybe you got it from Biblepedia, which is spiritual Wikipedia, just as stupid as Wikipedia. Well, I read this book. Was it this book? Because if it wasn't this book, it probably don't matter. I hit Miss Pam right there. She's like, I'm with you, Pastor. 
We love our activity. We love what we do because it makes us feel good about us. And it makes us think that we are our source. Here's the deal. When we live without rest, we're assuming that our work is vital and more important than God's approval in our life. And so we don't gain God's approval in our life. And where his blessings are not, chaos ensues. Because you got to go all, all the way back to before there was a day and there was an evening when he separated time from himself and he extricates time from himself, the darkness that ensued was chaotic and where his blessings are not, chaos is. And if you're wondering why everything in your marriage, everything with your children, everything at your job, everything in your life is falling apart, it's because you have no blessing of God. It's not that he doesn't want to bless you. He does want to bless you. But he can't bless you around your efforts because the Bible says he will not share his glory with anyone. This too heavy today? Like It's Mother's Day. This is why you're supposed to give mom the day off. Let her rest. There you go, moms. God separated this day because he completed his work. He blessed it. He approved it. And then he separates it for a purpose. And here's the deal. Let me give you this. Rest is what separates us from the unholy. The world we live in is all about, I got to do more, I got to do more, I got to chase that dime. Man, I, I got to make my first million before I'm 30. You already missed it because you didn't start when you were six months old, so you're already behind the eight ball. You're killing yourself to get further ahead in this life, but this life is going to pass away. So you, it's like you're making investments in a bank that's made out of Swiss cheese. Holes are everywhere. Or like when you put it all in your pocket, the Bible says that God comes along and cuts the bottom out of your pocket so everything that you're investing just falls out. Like, where's all the things I've amassed? You don't have the blessings of God, and it's gone. Rest is what separates us from the unholy. The more busyness, the more clutter. The more busyness, the less order. Remember, God said, let there be light. It wasn't the sunshine. It was the order of his character shining into the chaos. So let me bump up against busyness real quick. Is this cool? Anybody learning anything? I'm going to bump up against busyness. Busyness conditions us to view ourselves as our own source, thus elevating us in our own eyes, not in reality, but in our own eyes, to the position of provider. That's what busyness does. I don't normally promote a lot of books from the pulpit, but let me promote this book. There's a book out there. I don't remember who the author is, but it's a book called Addicted to Busy. You need to read it. I promise you. It, it's a faith book. It's not God-inspired, but it is a good faith book based on the Word of God, based on biblical principles. It's a fantastic book that's going to talk to you about the idolatry of busyness. Because we start worshiping our busyness. Look, here's the deal. If you can't find a moment of rest without your brain continuing to go, if you can't shut it off, you need to understand that you have been making sacrifices to the busy God. 
you might want to start with some repentance and say, clear me of everything that I am. And no amount of hoosah will get you there. You need to find a place of repentance where you say, purge me with your character. Nothing I do, but breathe your spirit into me and wash away all of my chaos because I can't shut my brain down because the enemy is attacking me in my mind and I can't shut my brain down. And the moment I lay down, I think about all the things I'm not doing. I think about, oh God, I got to do, I got to do. No, you're killing yourself because you're worshiping at the idol and the, and the altar of busyness. Here's the deal, y'all. I'm calling us as a church. I'm calling us as believers. If you're online, if you're in the room, I'm calling us all to separate ourselves from the idolatry of accomplishment. Doesn't matter what you accomplish in this life. It's all wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to pass away. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures in earthen vessels where moth and rust will corrupt where thieves will break in and steal. Everything that you amass in this life can be taken from you. And when you pass away from this life into the next, you cannot take it with you. Yes, it makes life more comfortable, but it also adds more worry on you. It adds to the chaos when that's what you chase. Well, I'm supposed to be good. I'm supposed to be a good reflection of God's glory. Yes, you are. You are supposed to be a good reflection. But if you want to be a good reflection of God's glory, learn to rest before you work. Because then he will approve your actions. And he will separate you out for a greater purpose. And he will begin to do something in your life that only he can accomplish through the power of his spirit. We need to separate ourselves from our work. We need to stop thinking that we are our source. Separate ourselves from our work. But let me say it like this. We also need to separate ourselves from his work. I'm a Christian. I'm doing the work of God. He never called you to be his employee. He never called you to work for him. I got to be busy doing the work of No, you do not need to do the work of God. You are not God. You're a child of God. You're supposed to show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. You're supposed to be a a diffractor of his glory in the world, not the image of his glory. He is the image of his glory. All you are is a diffraction where you spread the light everywhere. Just walking around is how you work for God. Stop striving so hard. You're not that spiritual. It's not going to get you to the next level of heaven. I promise you, you're not going to get the black Cadillac when you get there. This is not a multi-level marketing scheme because God doesn't lie. Just let that sit there for a second. You're not going to get to black diamond level. Your downline's not going to be fully stocked. And when they work, you get the, oh, no, no, that's not how it works. That's not what God wants you to do. He wants you to be filled with his spirit and then he wants you to begin to live that life of rest in the world that is chaotic and every place that spirit-filled believer goes, order begins to walk with you. His favor goes out before you and starts putting things in order in the middle of chaos before you ever even get there. 
like, man, I don't even know how this works. You got you to gotta put down the tools. You got to close the computer. You got to put the phone, you got to turn the phone off. You got to put the video games down too. Because you're working to get to another level to feed your pride. There's nothing wrong with video games, by the way. Play them, knock yourself out. Unless your wife's asleep and you're up, play them. That's a whole other layer. We'll talk about relationships later. You're welcome. But you need to learn to rest. You got to separate yourself from your work. You got to separate yourself from his work. You say, well, well, if I separate myself from the work, how am I going to be provided for? Aren't you thankful that Jesus is Jehovah Jireh? My provider. He is everything that we need. Pastor, you're just talking about prayer and stuff. No. And, and, and I know you believe this. Help me out here. Miss Veronica, there, there's a scripture that we added. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. If you could put that on the screen. Jesus says this. Jesus says this, very, very important. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna do that. I, I, I'm, oh man. Woo! I got my word today. I came, I needed a word. I got my word. I'm gonna, I'm gonna seek him first, but first I gotta do this. Dude, when I finish college, I am going to seek him like nobody's business. When I get married, I am going to seek him. When we have our first child, we will begin. To, no, you're too late. <laughs> you brought chaos into the world. If you weren't seeking him before, you are behind the eight ball. When, when I make my first six-figure salary, then I No, you're missing the point. I'll do it, God, but can, can I? Here, here's how he said it to, to somebody in the Bible. He's like, hey, I'm going to follow you. Jesus, I love, hey, I love what you're doing here. This is awesome. I followed you on all my profiles, and I even shared your profile with everybody else. I'm going with you. You are awesome. But first, I got to go bury my parents. And Jesus, the merciful, loving one, looks at him and says, let the dead bury the dead. That would get you run out of any church in North America today. And there'd be a big old stamp on your website, canceled. Because we don't like anybody speaking truth. What Je Jesus wasn't telling, hey, your, your parents are worthless. That's not what he was saying. He was saying the dead are already dead. You're striving over something, A, that more than likely had not even happened. What the guy was really saying is, I'm going to follow you, but I'm going to let the process of life play completely out before I even start. And God's saying, no, you put me before that, maybe I extend their life a little bit further. Or maybe I make the end of their life a little bit more fulfilled. But don't worry about something that's, you can't keep someone's life going one moment longer if you tried. Seek first the kingdom of God. 
the kingdom of heaven and his rights. What, what is this talking about? What is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is the mission of God. Yeah, but what's that? To seek and save the lost. Now, I thought the kingdom was God was this seven-layered wonderment in the cosmos with streets of gold, walls of jasper, and a big white throne. And Peter with a, like a banker's hat, standing out, like stamping people as they came and stamping the back of their hand. I, I, I thought that's what, have, that's the king. No, that's not the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. That is the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is his righteousness? Relationship with him. Righteousness is not flawlessness. Righteousness is not holiness. Righteousness is intentional relationship with the one who owns you already. Hey, put my mission first. Put relationship with me first. And all of these things, your 401k, your five-year plan, your educational goals, your marriage goals, your family goals, your retirement goals, all the things that you want. Hey, we, we got a bunch of students in the college and, and high school. Hear me. It's great to have a plan and it's great to have a major, but put him first. Put him first and all that will be added. But, but that, that means I'm, I'm not going to know you're going to work, but you're going to work from a place of rest because he's going to pull you into a relationship with him. He's going to pull you into a place where your effectiveness is more effective. You got to begin to live from a place of relationship. And lack of just distraction and lack of chaos just filled with everything that he is. Got to separate yourself from his work. Why? Because he already finished it. His work's done. His creative work was finished 6,000 years ago. What about the dinosaurs? He, he completed them too. Noah had a pet dino. I have no idea, but it's cool. Just figure it out. That would be cool to have a pet dinosaur. You know, that'd just be awesome. I will never do that again. But here's the deal. Let me bring this to a close. Let me bring this to a close. God's Sabbath on the seventh day isn't just the end of the first week. That's how we read it, and that's why we miss the beauty. His Sabbath in creation points forward to the rest that he gave when he died on the cross. When he says, I'm ceasing from my work. Hear me on this. He says, I'm ceasing from my work. That means all the work of my mouth and all the work of my power and my authority is finished. He's pointing ahead to the day that he would hang on the cross in his humanity and say, it is finished. And you, you think that's right? Yes, I, I do. Because in the moment that he is ceasing from his work, because he does not exist inside of time, he is already hanging on the cross because the Bible says that he is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was already there finishing the work when he says, I'm going to stop creating. And I'm going to start finishing.
I'm going to start, stop working and I'm going to start resting so that they can enter into my rest. Real, real quick, real quick. If you study the Old Testament, if you study Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and the book of Exodus, you, you study all of these, these books of the Bible where God is teaching them the process of rest and He's teaching them all these things. If you'll notice in the Bible, there's, there's all these listings of Sabbath days. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you don't read the Bible, you probably should. There's a lot of good stuff there. All of these Sabbath days in the Old Testament are called His Sabbaths. This is a Sabbath day unto the Lord. This is the Lord's Sabbath. This is God's Sabbath day. That's how they're listed. Notice they are not our Sabbath day. How, how arrogant are we, myself included, when we say, oh, this is my Sabbath? We've got it wrong. We're resting after work. The Sabbath belongs to God. It's His. Which is why He says... I'm going to stop creating and I'm going to start finishing and I want to invite you into my rest. Here's the deal. You can't enter into his rest if you're your own source because he won't share glory with anyone. But if you can recognize who he is and recognize that he finished it on the cross and three days later when he stepped out of the tomb, he says, now is the time for humanity to have a brand new beginning. Now is the time for humanity to have a brand new beginning. So let me give you this. I'm, I'm closing. There's nothing left for us to do. His work's finished. Nothing left for us to do. So let me challenge you. Stop working so hard. Stop trying to be righteous enough, righteous, righteous enough to be godly. You'll never get there. Stop trying to do things to get God's attention. But that's where I find my value. That's idolatry. You're robbing worship from God, expecting Him to bless your efforts. Learn to trust Him. Put His mission first. Seek a relationship with Him first. And watch how He starts filling your life with everything that you thought you needed.